Hey guys, this is John. Thanks for tuning in today. If you tuned in on Tuesday, you know Kurt and I are going to continue our discussion on the Oscars uh, today. Hopefully this will give you some good discussion and let you know just a little bit about what's going on uh, in the culture. Uh, be sure to check out rym.org. Uh, check out information on our youth conferences as well as our training. Uh, there's going to be another training in Pennsylvania. So if you are a parent, a volunteer or a youth worker uh, assisting in youth ministry, please think about attending. Uh, we'd love for you to hear from Walt Mueller, Duffy Robbins, Julie Lowe, Scotty Smith, and others there. So be sure to check that out. Here's my conversation with Kurt. All right, we're back here at Parenting Today. Uh, my name is Kurt Cooper, and I'm here uh, with John Parrott. Say hello, John. Hey, Kurt. You always say hey and never hello. Um, John doesn't follow instructions. We're continuing <laughs> our conversation uh, from Tuesday about the Academy Awards, or the Oscars as they're known. And as they're... As they're... Just keep going. <laughs> no, can we edit this out? No, oh. just keep it. Oh, he's <laughs> Oh, Kurt. Huh? Are you okay? I'm sorry. We're going to keep it. I'm okay. Can we? Really? So, yeah, let's just keep it. It's okay. Okay. So, everybody fine. coughs and, you know, we struggle yeah. and it's Monday morning. Uh, we're you tired. Ever try not, do you ever try not to cough and then your body is like, that's what just happened right there. It's like, I'm not going to cough right now. My mind was like, I'm not going to cough right now. My body was like, you're not in charge. <laughs> I am in charge. We call the shots around here. Mine. Yes, exactly. No, yeah, we, we do that all the time. You know, I mean, Brian Regan, he's got that, you know, you think you're going to say one thing, but then you start to say another and you combine them, you know, like take care, but you say, good luck, take, luck. take luck. And, you know, and then there's the kind of the uh, burp and sneeze or cough kind of all at the same time happen. I mean, everybody's had those, those moments. So we just, we kind of got one live and everybody, yeah. can, you know, appreciate that. Hey, they can share yeah, that got- experience. Kind of like, how are you doing, and um, how's it going? Say, or, um, or what you know, uh, how you, do, how's it doing? You know, well, anyway, I did this. Uh, this was maybe before I had heard the Brian Regan bit, but there was a guy when I was in college. Uh, he was in my class. I didn't really know him well, and I saw him walking across campus, and so I thought. You know, I was in my car. I'll pull over there and offer him a ride. And uh, I pulled up to him and I, I rolled down the window and I said, "Hey, do you want a ride?" He said, "Oh no, I'm I'm right over there." And I thought about. He said, "Thanks though." And I thought about saying, uh, "No problem." And then you're welcome. And I said, "Your problem." And I pulled off. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're gonna tell if we're gonna tell stories about saying things that are that are yeah, accidentally saying things that are dumb. When I was when I worked at RTS, yeah, I used clean, to call. Kurt. Uh, I used to call prospective students and uh, we had to leave a lot of voicemails, which is my nightmare scenario. It's me <laughs> talking to a recording that I can't edit in any way. Uh, and I hate leaving voicemails, but uh, I was trying to get through my little spiel on this guy's voicemail. I don't even remember what his name was. And I, there were some people walking up behind me that were having a conversation and I knew that they were about to talk to me and I was trying to get off the phone quickly. So that's my, uh, you know, I was like trying to get through everything that I had to say. And I was like, I'd love to talk to you more about, you know, RTS or about possibly seminary or whatever. And I was working in the admissions office and, you know, I said all that. And then right as I'm hanging on the phone, I just go, in your name, I pray. Amen. And I the phone. <laughs> did, they, did they call and, back? 
No, I don't know. But my boss was like, "Did you? What did you just say?" And I was like, "Uh, I'm gonna mess. Well, that guy's probably not gonna come." My bad. So. <laughs> I wish, man. I wish we could find out who that was. Um, yeah, that, that's great. Man. It was Charles Spurgeon. What? Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's yeah. amazing. We went back in time. <laughs> we had the ability to call ministers. Okay, yeah. la- last last story on that because you, you were talking about voicemails and it, it made me think of Jimmy Fallon sharing uh, a story. And this was before Jimmy Fallon was, you know, the talk show host that, that he is now. I think this is when he was on SNL and he was probably on Conan O'Brien uh, one, one time and he was sharing that he had met this cute girl at a bar and he was, uh, you know, got her phone number and he got up the courage to call her and you know it's he was already nervous and he, and he calls her and he gets the voicemail and he just kind of leaves a you know normal voicemail and then it said at the end would you like to you know send another voicemail or edit this voicemail something along those lines he said oh wow you can do it again and so he like pressed the button and you know did kind of a funny one and then it's like would you like to do that or whatever and, and he did it again and he kind of did like one where he's like lisping and he's drunk acting and he just does all of these different like accents and everything <laughs> and then it said like at the end you've now left your ninth and final voicemail and so yeah. he thought he was getting the chance to to edit and try again and do over but instead he ended up leaving her nine voicemails <laughs> with all of these different voices and I thought that was hilarious um so nice. Yeah, that was five minutes, people, um, that you can't get back. So hope you enjoyed that. Okay, hey, look. the Oscars. Speaking <laughs> speaking of multiple takes, um, let's get back to the movies. The Oscars, that's what we're supposed to be talking about, John, about yeah. the celebration of the best films of the two, of 2018. I know we're in 2019, mm-hmm. but the celebration of the best films in 2018. And I think one thing that we want to do in this particular episode uh, is we want to we want to talk about um, why are the Oscars important to the people that are involved in the Oscars? Why do they matter? Um, what is, and what does it say about them? And what does it say about us? And what does it say about humanity? So maybe not jumping into like the individual issues with the films or the actors or the uh, directors. We haven't even talked about the fact that one of the films that won several awards was directed by someone who is in big hot water um, over possible, you know, sexual assault and things like that. The director of, of Bohemian Rhapsody, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's in, I know he's in big trouble. Um, but Brian Singer, is that his name? Yes. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and I don't so there know were, all those stories, but yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of, there, there are a ton of flashpoint issues that we could cover. There are a ton of minds in this minefield for us to step on, but really let's, let's, uh, Let's try to refocus and say, what is it about the Oscars, the, the, the pinnacle of awards in cinema? Um, why is it such a driving force in the lives of the people who make movies? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, we were mentioning just a little bit, kind of like you said, zooming out, not focusing in on one storyline of, of any of these stories, but but why do we have, you know, award shows to begin with? And and what we need to see is that, you know, as Christians kind of thinking theologically about this, and as, again, this is parenting today, maybe thinking of storylines in which you can talk to your children and kind of pass this um, biblical framework along, is that we need to realize that there are many people in Hollywood um, and this comes as no surprise that are not believers, but they've turned 
you know, the cinema and film, filmmaking into their religion. And so they've turned it into this religion and because, again, they're hardwired in the image of God. And so this, um, you know, desire for worship and all of this is in their heart and soul. And so they want to know that their religion matters. They want to have something that they can kind of put, okay, this is... This is why my life is significant, and I'm striving after this, you know, trophy, this goal. I mean, that's the the end goal for for many of them, and so they're, uh, you know, striving after this gold statue. And some of them, as we you know, have talked about, uh, not only you know are they making their movie, but then an aspect of uh, the Academy Awards is you also <laughs> campaign for your movie. That many mm. of these people, and, and there are many who say, you know, a star is born. <laughs> it's okay Kurt a star is born um might should have been the the best picture and there's many who thought it was going to be the best picture and it did not do as well and so some people say actually they did not campaign really well for uh, a star is born being best picture and so kind of thinking about that the kind of the campaign process I mean looking at that as like evangelism you know, that if these people, if this is their God, you know, their their movie that they've made and this is their religion, they're going to go around and try to evangelize for it and say, this is why our picture is the best picture. This is why this person should win best director or best actress or actor. And and so they're going around trying to make a case for, for winning. And, uh, you know, an interesting thing, Kurt, and, and I'll turn it back over to you. I, I remember years ago, Matt Damon uh, winning you know, his first and only Oscar when uh, he wrote the screenplay for Goodwill Hunting. And he, you know, shared that with Ben Affleck. But, but him talking about how he realized, uh, you know, as he's standing up on stage and getting the, the gold statue, just how empty it was. And him saying, you know, is this it? Is this what I've been spending my entire life working for? Uh, he was, you know, striving to act in the the movie um i forget with megron and denzel washington uh but he lost a lot of weight for it because he you know I think Cur- on, courage under fire there you go thank you courage under fire he had lost a lot of weight for that movie because his character was on drugs and he actually almost died from that because um, he did not have a lot of money and so he's losing weight on his own and so he was thinking you know i almost have given uh, given my life for this practice for acting and uh what what what's the value there and just kind of seeing some of the emptiness there and so you're you're hearing him echo you know what we know to be true in the god-shaped void that we talk about but kind of just seeing that the larger theme and storyline of okay these people have made this their religion and they want to know it has value they want to know it has meaning they want to know they have significance that they have not wasted their life and so, you know, that's definitely a factor in having an award show to acknowledge that. On top of that legacy, uh, you know, one of the aspects of almost all religions and certainly an aspect of Christianity is the fact that um, we believe that through Christ, we, that death is not the end for us, that we live on um, to eternity in, in Christ. And uh, in a lot of ways to win an Oscar is, you know, in this particular um, mindset is to live on forever, to be, you know, to be remembered, you know. Uh, you know, one of the things that happens at the Oscars every year, this is a maybe low-key, maybe I think the most, the best part of the Oscars is that they have a montage of all the, you know, people who have died um, throughout the year, um, an in memoriam for everyone who died, you know, the Burt Reynolds of the world, um, the famous actors, and um, and to be remembered 
beyond is really, you know, to make something that is timeless. You know, the people who made uh, Citizen Kane or, you know, Citizen Kane is still talked about. You know, The Godfather is still talked about, even though many of the people who are involved in that have long since passed. You know, there's an echo of heaven in there is that, you know, we want to matter past, you know, when we shuffle off this mortal coil. And uh, and so this is a way in which some people think that you can matter. Um, and yet some people, you know, have once they achieve it, they see that it's not as fulfilling. I remember Tom Brady said the same thing after he won um, maybe this first or second Super Bowl. He said, is this it? Like, is this is this all that there is like? There's got to be more than that. And it just shows that no matter what, no matter what acclaim we can receive, um, whether we're told that we're the very best or whether we win the championship or whether we um, receive uh, universal approval um, or, you know, whatever field you're in, that, that that can't fill you up, that it can't that can't be what um, that achievement and recognition cannot um, survive. I was just talking to someone who does ministry uh, in Cambridge, which is the most um, one of the most prestigious universities in the world, top five university in the world, and um, a place where uh, Isaac Newton. Uh, this guy's office uh, was built in the 1100s. Uh, the <laughs> office building where you know where he worked was built in the 1100s. Just putting that in perspective, Cambridge was founded in 1208. That was um, 568 years before America was founded. Uh, it's closer. It's almost closer to Jesus than it is to us in time. Um, this building that he is working in and, <clears throat> you know, he walks past all these famous things and he said to our youth group and he said to us, um, you know, uh, even in a place like that, especially in a place like that where so many people are achieving and competing and earning accolades, uh, academic honors, uh, that there's so much loneliness and emptiness and a search for something more than those things. And, you know, the Oscars is the same. So, yeah, we recognize why people want those things because it's something in their heart that we all want. But we also recognize that the way in which they're trying to get that itch scratched is ultimately unfulfilling, Mm -hmm. um, even for them. And too, that, that was well said, Kurt. Uh, you know, I, I see another aspect of this is just the 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 longing for absolute truth. You know, I mean, I know mm-hmm. it's you know the uh, just thinking about the culture we're growing up in. It's you know post truth, and you know doing away any kind of talk of absolute truth is just absurd, ridiculous. But they're wanting again their religion. They're they're wanting to say, okay, there is something we can appeal to. Um, that that says okay, this is right, this is true, this is this is accurate, and it's kind of you know through this awards process that okay, look, this is the best picture of the year, period. And so they want mm-hmm. to appeal to that. They want to make this okay. This is what art. This is you know why we believe it's the best, and all, all of those things. But but even that, as we you know talked about on Tuesday and are talking about now, that. We know there, there's plenty of times where the academy says, "Okay, we got we got it wrong this time." And, and I mean, one that I'll just throw out, um, partially because it it just frustrates me. I mean, Saving Private Ryan should have won Best Picture years ago, and they gave it to Shakespeare in Love, and um, everybody thought, "Okay, that was ridiculous." Yes, Steven Spielberg won Best Director, but he clearly should have won 
um, for Saving Private Ryan. And again, many people said I mean, that just changed the way military uh, movies were, were made. And it was a very well done uh, film for sure. And, you know, it's kind of the irony of that is, you know, Harvey Weinstein won uh, for Shakespeare in Love. And, you know, look at him now and all the just horrors associated with him and in Hollywood and everyone knowing just kind of what a horrible man he was uh, uh, back then. Um, but, but again, just them wanting to have this absolute truth they can appeal to and point to and say, see, look, we said this was best picture at one best picture or whatever category it is. And so there's that longing for, okay, we want to be able to, to point to something that's true and right and validates what it is we believe and validates our, our tastes. You know, if we think, we, we like this film over that film. We want somebody else to affirm that and say, see, yes, we were right. We weren't wrong in this. And um, so I think, yeah, just that knowledge of, of truth and the human heart. Yeah. Definitive statements are fun. Um, you know, measured, m- measured, well, this could be the best or this could not be the best. Um, you know, that's not nearly as fun as saying this is the best because we do want, we like, you know, people like, people like black and white. They really do, um, because we're made for, you know, God is, that doesn't mean that every issue is black and white. Certainly, you know, on, on this side of heaven, there's a lot of gray area and we want to recognize that gray area, but people are drawn to definitive statements for a reason. And I just want to, I want to come back at you on something real quick, um, about Shakespeare in love, um, and Harvey Weinstein. And obviously he's a terrible, you know, before I started to say he's a terrible person, I'm a terrible person. Yes. So, but obviously what he has done is horrible. Okay. But at the same time, does that mean that every film that he's associated with now is tainted? And I, I'm not sure that it is mm-hmm. um, because uh, I, I'm not sure that that is a healthy way for us to talk about um, works of art. And about history, for that matter. I mean, uh, this is something that is really popular now. And I, maybe I'm walking right into a minefield, but I'll just walk right in there. And um, <laughs> is, you know, we'll say people will use phrases like "that film has not aged well" or "that person has or his, you know, has not aged well." I know just last week, um, someone pulled up some interview of uh, John Wayne when he was, you know, seventy something years old. And he had all these, he said all these problematic things, um, you know, and so there was even discussion like, should they rename the airport um, in Orange County uh, because it's named after John Wayne? Should they rename it because he had all these problematic takes? And I'm not going to defend any of the things that he said, but I am going to defend the idea that we would take what our culture deems is right and wrong or is appropriate and acceptable and to work it back into a, a pre-existing culture and say, well, now that's now that now that's unacceptable because, or this person is unacceptable, or what they did is unacceptable um, because of these new standards that this person was completely unaware of at mm-hmm. the time. And to me, that is just so lazy. It is so lazy to say, you know, um, to say <coughs> to say those things. And I think it's problematic. And I think that is something that we can talk about with our. Every person who's ever won an Academy Award is problematic. Mm-hmm. Every actor, every actress, they're all problematic. They're all sinners, and they've all had, you know, they, they all have issues. Now, some of them might be p- more pronounced issues. Um, so it's not, I'm not trying to um, normalize someone like Harvey Weinstein. I'm not, I'm not trying to normalize him. But 
to say that like a movie like Good Will Hunting is no longer a good movie because Harvey Weinstein and Miramax produced it to me seems a little lazy. Mm -hmm. Um, it seems, that seems like, um, that, that, that seems like we're painting with, we're calling with crayons now, not with a fine brush. So (laughs) now um, I think, I think you're bringing up something important. Like you said, just voicing your hesitance to even enter in, into this discussion. Um, it, it is obviously a very sensitive discussion. We have to be cautious, but I think you're bringing up a very good point. And I mean, let me just clarify and say, I'm not saying that anything Harvey Weinstein has made that we just need to throw out now and say, it's just garbage and, and trash, even though, um, you know, he was associated and, and did just many horrible things. And I mean, just going back to the Saving Private Ryan and Shakespeare in Love, I just think Saving Private Ryan was a phenomenal film compared to Shakespeare in Love. I'm not saying that Shakespeare in Love Mm -hmm. doesn't have any artistic merit or anything to point to or reward or saying that it's just terrible because Harvey Weinstein's name is attached to it. I'm just saying, I mean, this Saving Private Ryan is in another field compared to, I mean, just absolutely everything from directing to cinematography to screenplay to acting uh, just the sound editing, all of it was just a, I mean, people didn't even know what to do with that film because it was just, it was something completely new and different. I mean, I, I remember reading stories of veterans giving their medals to Steven Spielberg to say, you're the first person to capture what we actually went mm-hmm. through. So I'm just saying, you know, remove Harvey Weinstein from the equation, if we can do that and just say, mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan was infinitely better. And, and at the end of the day too, just kind of even throw that out to Christians, who cares what the Academy thinks, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what they come up with and what they award or not. I mean, at the end of the day, if you liked a movie and there are certain aspects, artistic aspects that you enjoyed about it, it doesn't matter if the Academy disagrees with you, that that doesn't take away from you know, you liking a certain movie because what we would say is that the process is, is fallible. I mean, it's, mm. it's not this inerrant, you know, source that we can point, point to. I mean, so many, again, I've been listening to some podcasts discussing the Oscars and I mean, that, them saying so many have just come out saying this system's broken and hopefully this year kind of illustrates how it's broken and we're going to fix it. And of course they're not going to be able to fix it as we're talking about art. There is a sense in which, Someone can like something and other people could like another thing. And yeah, we would say that there are some absolutes we can appeal to and we can say, look, that's just garbage. And this is definitely, I mean, look, let's, let's, let's just take the best actor category. And again, we might be opening up a can mm-hmm. of worms. So, so many people were bothered by Rami Malek's um, winning the Oscar for best actor. And he, he's wanted a few other award shows. And, you know, people said, look, all he did was karaoke. He, he did not even sing in the acting. There wasn't really a whole lot there to show kind of his range where some people would say Bradley Cooper, you know, actually learned to sing and Bradley Cooper actually, you know, played instruments and he actually wrote a song and, uh, and that there's a lot more to kind of point to it with his performance. And so, you know, again, at the end of the day, who's to say who's right and who's wrong. And, um, you know, out of all of the, the movies produced and out of all of the acting this year, I mean, these were some of the top performances and, you know, there are going to be some on the fringes that were left out that should be included. And, um, Kurt, I, I want to let you react to that, but real quick, I did want to say, uh, Moonlight and La La Land, that was two years ago. The Shape mm-hmm. of Water won last year, and people oh, are already yeah. saying that's absurd and ridiculous. Uh, they cannot believe that it, it won already, you know, saying that. So, go. Yeah, but take, what, take what should have won last year? Dunkirk? Phantom Thread? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't. 
I don't I, know. The yeah. Post. Some of these movies, they're infinitely forgettable. Um, yeah. You know, if Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep weren't in The Post, I don't know if it would even been made. So, I mean, it's Steven Spielberg, Spielberg movie. Directing yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's a completely forgettable movie. It's not even in the top. How many st- movies has Steven Spielberg made? It's probably not in the top. You know, it's not certainly not in the top half. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that to say is I do want to <laughs> I do want to react to that. And obviously these movies are subjective. But what we have here also, and this is probably an important point for talking about movies with students, um, is we have competing worldviews. Um, movies are worldviews. They're you know movies are not neutral. They are trying to tell a story and a t- story from a particular perspective. And so lots of times the anger over movies, especially when we go back and re-legislate whether a movie is good or not, is whether that the worldview that that movie espouses lines up with our current worldview. Um, but movies are a great opportunity for us to see like what the world, you know, what this person, the person who wrote this movie or the person, the person who <laughs> wrote the story or the person who directed the movie, what are they trying to say about um this particular subject and about the world through that subject. And there are a lot of competing worldviews to come. I mean, uh, you know, the most popular movies, this is why the most popular movies are not, um, are often not awarded uh, at the Academy Awards is because lots of times the worldview that's espoused in these popular movies is so um, bland or it's so, uh, the den- it's the lowest common denominator. They don't really say anything that is outrageous or thought provoking. Uh, you know, Black Panther was um, one. Allegedly, it was a nominee for Best Picture. I know that, it, but it, it had zero chance of winning. It wasn't even. Some people would say it wasn't even the the second best superhero movie that came out in 2018. Um, so, uh, you want to add to that? No, John? no, I don't. I oh, just, you were agreeing. I was agreeing. Yeah, yeah it some, was not. Was not that. Yeah, some movie. people say you know, and but there's a worldview espoused there, so it was more important. Um, some people think it was more important than uh, Avengers Infinity War or uh, Spider-Man Under the Spider-Verse or any other other superhero movies that were made. Um, you know, and all that to say is that when we think about movies, we just had a movie night with our students. Um, when we think about movies and we think about why they're important, we want what we want to do is we want to ask the question, what is this trying to say? What is this movie trying to say about my world, about the world that we live in? And is that true? Does it line up with what we know to be true from scripture or does it go cut directly against scripture? Does it challenge us in some way? And the, the best movies are the ones that do challenge us, that do say, okay, well, this is how you think the world works, but let me show you from this perspective, how the world works. Maybe you don't totally understand how the world works. I think, that's probably why Roma was so popular. Um, uh, if I had to guess, um, but Wait, anyway, why, why are you saying Roma is so popular? Well, it speaks um, to uh, um, it, it's uh, it's basically the director's experience of growing up in Mexico um, in <laughs> the '60s, '70s, and um, in the '60s and '70s, and so it's a perspective on the world that most Americans probably as perspective on Mexico that most Americans don't have. So it challenges what to be true. And also just to be honest, Roma is kind of boring for the first like 
hundred minutes. You could watch, you know, and then the last 30 minutes is pretty intense. Mm-hmm. So, but they're, they're, it's all competing worldviews. It's, you know, and so we're, we're, we're going to disagree about what the best movie is because we all have different worldviews too. We're all seeing the world from some perspective. And when our perspectives don't align, then we're going to disagree about, um, we're going to love the movies that reflect our worldview and we're going to kind of pan the movies that don't really reflect our worldview. And so Kurt, there, there's so much we could be talking about. Uh, I mean, again, there's, there's just so many storylines and I think you're right to, to highlight worldviews clashing and there's going to be, okay, things that we're passionate about and things that our other people are, are passionate about. And I mean, I know we're starting to draw this to a close. So, I mean, let's talk just a little bit about, you know, the, the hostless Oscars this year, that there was all the controversy of, you know, statements that Kevin Hart made, you know, decades ago. And I know we discussed that a little bit kind of in our cultural artifact section um, of, of one of the episodes of uh, just, yeah, Kevin Hart stepping down. And But people seeing, look, it's not really worth it to host the Oscars because mm. there's always this kind of backlash and critique and people say, oh, they did a terrible job and they shouldn't have hosted. And, you know, it doesn't really help anyone's career uh, to host. And, you know, it's just there's there's so much scrambling that the academy is doing because again viewer, viewers are down um there's a, there's a lot of narratives that are kind of lobbed at the oscars of you know there's again the old guard and the new guard i mean there's been a lot of um people mocking the oscars not getting too far down this train of thought but you know being somewhat racist because there's not a lot of african americans that are that are nominated i mean i can remember years ago at the nfl honors uh, award awards uh, Conan O'Brien making fun of the Oscars that he said, Hey, the NFL awards are like the Oscars for sports. If the Oscars nominated black people and, you know, all of uh, those present thought it was hilarious because he was calling something out uh, there. And so uh, well, that, the Oscars, that. the Oscars are trying to figure out what they should be and what they should do and, and how they they can remain culturally relevant. And, and so again, that, that also gets into the nominating and, um, just, yeah, starting to critique artistic value because, uh, again, they're, they're trying to listen to the culture and what the culture wants, and so they've got to be cautious of that. So that is a narrative that, again, I'm kind of opening up a can of worms, but it's something we've got to think about how the culture can shape, you know, the winners and losers, and uh, there is no such thing as, you know, voter. there's voter bias for sure. Um, so, Kurt, I, yeah, I well, si- I was just sidetracked say, into the host. It's almost impossible to be the host of the Oscars because they're like, hey, make us laugh. Ooh, but don't say that or that <laughs> or that or that or that. But may, but be funny. But don't say that. Um, I mean, it, it's it, the reason they can't win is because on a night when everyone is supposed to think of themselves as super important, um, one of the main functions of humor is to let people know just how unimportant they really are um, and how <laughs> You know, if you take yourself super seriously, surprise, surprise, you're not going to find a lot of jokes about you or your craft. Very funny. And so it's it really is an impossible job to have. And now it's an especially impossible job to have because anyone they would nominate as a host um, that uh, they're going to pour through every uh, thing that they've ever said or written uh, to see if they said anything offensive. And so the only people that I mean, eventually what will happen is, is either they can't have anyone host or the only people that can host are people who've been victims of crime somehow. Um, yeah. Because, because that, that's, that is the sacrosanct is that if you can find, make yourself a victim, then you're allowed to say whatever you want. Um, so, I mean, that, that's the truth of our culture is that if, if, if you can, you know, if you can somehow achieve victimhood, then you're able to speak truth to power. But uh, if you 
are not a victim in any way, then no one wants to hear what you have to say. Um, so yeah. it's going to be really hard to find a host. I don't know how they're going to oh, do yeah. it. And just, I mean, going back to last week's episode of Parenting Today with uh, Brian Habig and him just saying how, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, Jamie Foxx have said as, you know, comedians, they don't like to to speak on college campuses anymore because they're just, they, they don't feel like they can even make certain jokes anymore. And so the, the risk that's out there because of just the sensitivity in our, our culture now of what's taboo, what you can say, what you cannot say, and how it can get you into trouble, how it can ruin your your career. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of risk involved. Um, and, and Kurt, you said something just a minute ago about, you know, a host kind of calling out, you know, the insignificance of, of the Oscars or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was last year that Jimmy Kimmel, um, was talking about, I think he introduced, uh, Dwayne Johnson, the rock, uh, to give an award. And he said something like, uh, Dwayne Johnson starred in this movie last year, which uh, made more money than all of the best pictures combined, which kind of puts this night into perspective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, again, it's just what, what the majority of people want to see and what they are tuning in to see is not what the Academy thinks is important. Um, and so I think that joke did not land very well because it kind of exposed a, a lot of what the night was about. And um, I thought it was a, a pretty funny joke. Um, Kurt, I know we're, we're wrapping this up. Any, any last remarks before we get into maybe some cultural artifacts to point out? Well, I just feel like this whole episode was a cultural artifact, but, um, but yeah, uh, just again, I don't want to sound like the Oscars aren't important or that, but I will say that I think one of the reasons why people are tired of the Oscars is that, or maybe why ratings are down is because, um, there are a significant number of people who receive a platform at the Oscars and their life does not necessarily look like most Americans lives. And yet they use that as an opportunity to preach a sermon about how the world should be. And um, as someone who preaches a lot of sermons, I can tell you that um, that you need to have lived um, the kind of life that the people uh, you're preaching to um have lived in order for them to really hear you. And I think, I think one of the things that happens is, is, um, is that, you know, regardless of what their views are, whether they're right or wrong, uh, people, people, maybe they've grown a little tired of being preached at to people who they don't feel can really connect with them. Um, just because you're a good actor or a good director doesn't mean that you know how the world should work. Um, you know, uh, I'm not saying this isn't like a just do your job and don't make commentary. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but it is a, hey, you know, there are other people who don't have the skills that you have that might know a little bit about how the world works as well. And so um, while the Oscars are important because it tells us it, it, they're like a thermometer, they tell us the temperature of the age, um, uh, what they say um isn't necessarily uh, the definitive answer about how the world is or how it should be. So. Those are my thoughts on the Oscars. No, that, that's well said, Kurt. And like you said, um, th- this entire uh, episode has been a cultural artifact. Um, so I think that's a, a good place to leave it. Um, Kurt, it's been fun having this discussion. Uh, all those who, who tuned in, what, what are you laughing about? <laughs> I, 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 well, I've got a cultural artifact for next for, the, oh, for our next episode. Okay. For our next, well, yeah, but well, not, not for this one. But i got a yeah. cultural artifact for our next episode. 
yeah, this yeah. was this was a good uh, discussion, Kurt. I enjoyed it. Uh, thanks to all those who are uh, tuning in. Uh, be sure to check back uh, for a new episode next week. Kurt and I are going to be discussing youth ministry and just some thoughts about families getting involved in youth ministry. So we look forward to uh, Tuesday's episode where we'll be discussing that. Hope you guys have a good rest of the week and a good weekend. See you, John.